good to see you this Labor Day weekend. My name is Ann Hansen. I'm the Freedom Ministries pastor here. And we had an awesome week of seeking the Lord. Did any of you guys come for at least one of the nights? It was so good. There were so many testimonies of God's faithfulness. Um, do you guys know Oliver around here? He's uh, usually in a wheelchair. Well, he's not in a wheelchair. What? Right? Only God. I don't even know how to explain that. Uh, is my friend Mike? Okay, Michael, will you come on up? Michael has a testimony. I just wanted him to share this testimony with us. This is Michael Perez. Him and his wife are in charge of our New Believers Ministry, and he has a testimony I thought would be so good to share. Thank you. Good morning, good morning. Um, I'm not going to be able to top Oliver's testimony. Can we give God a shout of praise for that? Isn't that amazing? He is so faithful. I'll share briefly. So a couple of months ago, I started to have some pain up in my, the top of my stomach. And uh, I can't tell you if it was an ulcer or a hernia. I wouldn't be able to tell you that. What I can tell you is that no matter what I would put in my system, um, if it was good food or bad food or junk food, it was going right through me and causing just a bunch of pain in my stomach. And uh, it got to the point where I was literally walking around with Pepto pills and a Pepto bottle because if I drank water, if I ate lunch during my work time, it would just be pain like the whole day. And uh, when I got here to seek night, Pastor John started to flow and he started describing, he was calling out to see if somebody was feeling what God was telling them. And he started describing exactly all of the symptoms that I was having. And so I just felt from God that moment that he was telling me, right now is the moment that I want to touch you and I want to heal you. And so I raised my hand immediately as soon as I, you know, I started hearing Pastor talk and I raised my hand. And uh, uh, the greatest part about it was that the youth came over and surrounded me. And they started to pray for me. And as they were praying, I felt like the Lord said, open up your eyes. I want you to see what I'm doing. And I opened up my eyes. And I see everywhere from like older kids to like really small kids putting their hands on me. And you could see it in their face, the faith that they had, the boldness that they had. And in that moment, God completely healed me. Praise God. Yes. Now, you're going to tell me, and you're probably wondering, well, how do you know that he healed you, right? Well, I'll tell you. That night I went home, and uh, I, I took out of, uh, out of the refrigerator a taco that normally would have killed me completely. And uh, it was a, a fried taco, and so I sat there eating my taco, and as I was eating it, I decided to record myself because I could not believe the fact that I was eating this taco late at night, and there was no pain whatsoever in my stomach. I got to tell you, that night I went to sleep, no, no Tums, no Pepto, no anything. All, the only thing I can tell you is that God completely healed me because he is a good God and he is a faithful God. Amen? Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God for taco miracles. Amen. All right. I just want to pray um, over all that happened during Seek Week. Will you join me? Okay. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus, for all the good work that you did in our church during Seek Week. And Lord, we just declare that for every healing, every miracle, every um, lie that was thrown away, Lord, every truth that was revealed, let those things get to remain, that we get to keep the fruit, that we get to keep the healing, all that you did for us um, in and through Seek Week. Lord, we just declare that that gets to remain. And so we declare your protection, the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus over all of the fruit. And thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, that this is a house of miracles. Thank you, Lord, that this is a house of healing, Lord. And we're asking, Lord, that you would continue that move of the Holy Spirit here today. And Lord, we just um, take authority over this sermon and we say, Lord, that you, um, you bring good news. You bring good news. This gospel is good news. So thank you for the good news today. We bind every uh, voice of cynicism, doubt, unbelief, accusation, confusion. We shut it down in the name of Jesus and say, Lord, we're going to hear from you. You are the spirit of truth. You lead us into all truth. And so we thank you, Lord, that we get to have the mind of Christ today in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, so... We are on the final week of our sermon series called First, where we're talking about first fruits, uh, first love, and um, the priorities in our life. And so today, I'm going to be preaching out of Matthew 7. And so as you turn there, I'm just going to give you a little bit of the context of this passage of Scripture. And so starting from Matthew 5 all the way through to the end of Matthew 7, Jesus is preaching this sermon called Sermon on the Mount. Anyone familiar with that? Yeah, it's one of the most foundational um, areas of theology for believers where Jesus touches a lot of different topics and he just gives nuggets of wisdom from heaven just to say, this is the truth, this is the truth, this is the truth. And um, in Matthew chapter 6, right before Matthew 7 where we're starting today, but in Matthew 6, a common theme of all of Matthew 6 is about hypocrisy. Yeah. Yeah. It got really quiet in the room. So <clears throat> in Matthew 6, he talks about, you know, don't give so that others can see you like the hypocrites do. You know, don't uh, pray so everyone can see you like the hypocrites do. Right? Don't uh, fast in such a way that everyone can see you and know what you're doing like the hypocrites do, right? And so there's this theme about hypocrisy, and then he warns against it strongly, and then he talks about money, and he says that you can't serve two masters. You're either going to serve God or money, so choose who's going to be your master. And so that's what he goes on to talk about, and then at the very end of Matthew 6, it's this verse that it's going to be on the screen, and it says this. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So the Lord is very, very clear. You want to know what's first? Seek first the kingdom of God 
and his righteousness. Amen? And so this is what becomes the antidote for worry, anxiety, stress, confusion, uh, money issues, heart issues, is seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And a lot of us, we might not know, what does he mean? What does it mean to seek the kingdom? What is the kingdom of God? And so just very simply, I'm not going to go into it very deeply, but the kingdom of God is simply the rule and reign of Jesus that we can experience here on earth as it is in heaven, right? The rule and reign of Jesus, his holiness, his righteousness, his justice, his beauty, his ways, his goodness, seeking those things, his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. So we get to do that. And so that is the context for where we're picking up in Matthew 7, okay? So start with me, and I'm going to actually have you read this first verse with me, okay? It's start together. Do not judge others, and you will not be judged, right? We are so familiar with this particular verse in Scripture, and it's very often misquoted and mishandled. Okay, and I'm going to read the rest. Okay, for you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. Wow. Hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls, then turn and attack you. Wow. Okay. So this passage of scripture. Do not judge and you will not be judged. A lot of people take this part of scripture and use it like a weapon to say, no, Jesus said do not judge. So you better not judge me. You better not tell me what to do. Don't ever try and correct me. Don't ever try and tell me what's wrong. You better not judge me. Jesus says don't judge. Do you want to be judged? You better not judge me. Right? Just me? Right? Anyone else? Use this like a weapon to say you better back off. You better step back. Uh, so we've often misquoted this. Even non-believers, even people who've never stepped foot in a church in their lives know this passage. No, Jesus says you better not judge, so you better step back, right? And so um, this can be like this weapon. But the problem is there are um, instances in Scripture where it says that we must judge, right? So when we're reading the Bible, this is a quick Bible um, lesson is that we have to hold scripture in tension with itself, right? You can't just take like one little passage of scripture and make a whole theology about it, right? You have to hold scripture in tension with itself. You have to take the whole of scripture and hold it up together and say, God, what are you saying in all of this together, right? And so we need to judge, as believers, that's part of our privilege, that's part of our responsibility to discern what's right, what's holy, 
what's ungodly, what's sinful, what's unjust, right? These are part of our privileges and responsibilities as believers. And it says, I'm just going to say a few um, scriptures. 1 John 4 says, test the spirits to see which ones are from God and which ones are not. That takes judgment, right? Test the spirits. Okay, another one. Hebrews 5 says, we need to become spiritually mature so that we can discern good from evil. Like discern mean, discerning means that we have to judge what's good, what's evil. That's why we have to be spiritually mature, right? Matthew 18, 15 says, if your brother or sister is in sin, you are to go to him and point out their fault. Wow, these are these unpopular scriptures that everyone's like, why are you bringing all that up this morning? Um, but it's part of, part of the whole of scripture is that Jesus says that, right? And so how are we going to point out sin? Well, we have to judge and say, no, that actually is sin. That's not right. Um, and so another one, I'm going to put this one on the screen and read this with me. It says this, look beneath the surface so you can judge correctly. Okay, read that with me again. Look beneath the surface so you can judge correctly. These are the words of Jesus saying, hey, I want you to judge, but I want you to judge correctly. So don't judge superficially. Look under the surface so you can look at the heart because God looks at the heart, and I need you to look at the heart and judge rightly, right? Okay, here's another one. 1 Corinthians 5.12. Read this with me, okay, if it's on the screen. It isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, but it certainly is your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. Wow. Okay, right? So this is very clear. Who's off limits to our judgment? Outsiders, non-believers, right? We're not holding these non-believers to the standard that we have. That's not what God wants for us. He doesn't want us to try and force, that's called religion, is forcing other people to come to our standards when they don't have that indwelling Christ within them to transform them, right? So that's not what we're doing. We're not holding outsiders to that same standard. But if you're inside the church, if you're part of the family of God, if you're a brother, if you're a sister, then yes, you are being held to that standard and you are going to be um, corrected and judged, okay? So God expects us to judge, to discern, to point out, to correct. And even a failure to judge is actually uncaring and irresponsible. Uncaring and irresponsible, right? Okay, uh, it's a violation to God's word to not judge rightly, okay? So I have a child who um, doesn't brush um, his teeth enough. So, um, so I'll, I'll tell him, like, you got to brush your teeth because I can see it. Like, yeah, I can see it. You got to go brush your teeth, you know? And he's like, oh, I did. I'm like, no, you didn't. I can see it, you know? And so, um, and you're not brushing your teeth enough. I'm judging rightly to say you're not brushing your teeth enough. And so I ended up taking this child to the dentist uh, after COVID. So it's been like a year, which I usually don't do, but this child had eight cavities. And so I said, listen, I've been judging rightly. You haven't been <laughs> brushing your teeth enough. And therefore you have this situation. You must brush your teeth at least twice a day. Okay. Right guys. Amen. At least twice a day. Okay. Right. And so um, if I, 
if I did not correct that child, that would be a violation of care, concern, and love for that child. Because it's for that child's best interest that I would do that, right? Um, but judgment can be complex because there's different types of judgment, right? Not all judgment is the same, okay? So judgment, there can be a judgment based on criticism and condemnation. That's one type of judgment. And then there's another judgment based on mercy, compassion, wanting God's best in this person's life, wanting them to become whole and healed, right? It's very different, a very different proposition, a judgment that's meant to hurt or a judgment that's meant to heal, right? A judgment meant to help or a judgment meant to condemn, right? And so I looked up in uh, the commentary because I know that this can be a very confusing passage for a lot of us. And a lot of the commentary said this, that in Matthew 7, when Jesus said, do not judge, when it says that, do not judge others and you will not be judged, the original language is about judging to condemnation. Judging to damnation, right? Judging to hatred. Judging to hopelessness. That type of judgment, Jesus says, do not judge. That is not your place. That is not your position. That is not your assignment. Do not judge to condemnation, to damnation, to hatred, right, to hopelessness. And so those things are off limits for us. But we can judge to help, right? We can judge to heal. We can bring judgment that would help bring the mercy and compassion of God. And so since we know, okay, we know now that there's all types of scriptures that says we are allowed to judge and we are meant to judge. Let's go back into Matthew 7 and start over. Okay, Matthew 7, chapter 1. I mean, I'm sorry, verse 1. Do not judge others and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Hmm. Even just that little part, it's like, hmm, do not judge and you won't be judged. You'll be treated as you treat others. The standard you use is the standard by which you'll be judged. So if you read this at face value, like I remember reading this many times and feeling like, Jesus, are you petty? You know, are you, are you just like tit for tat? Is that how it's going to be? Like, you don't hit me, I won't hit you. Like, <laughs> you forgive, I'll forgive. You know, you, you know if, you're, if you do this, I'll do this. And, and I'm like, no, I know Jesus is not petty. So what is under these words? What is God trying to reveal to us through these words? And as I pray, I really believe that the Lord is trying to show us a spiritual principle of sowing and reaping. So can you guys say sowing and reaping? Okay, sowing and reaping. And this principle is all over scripture. Sowing and reaping. That you sow bitterness, you're going to reap. Yeah, if you sow kindness, you're going to reap kindness. kindness. There's a, um, a scripture in Galatians 6 and it says this. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. 
right? And so depending on where you are, it's either a promise from God or a challenge from heaven, right? <laughs> right? Depending on where you are, it's like, yes, Lord, I won't give up on, the, on, on persevering. Yes, Lord. Or it's like, oh, shoot, I better start uh, sowing something better so I can reap something better in my life, right? That's just the way the word of the Lord works in our lives. And so there's this principle of sowing and reaping. And that's what Jesus is trying to teach you. He's not being petty, but he's saying, if you sow judgment, you're going to reap judgment. It's like this loop. It's like this spiritual loop. You put out judgment, judgment comes back to you. You put out unforgiveness, unforgiveness comes back to you. You put out hatred, hatred comes back to you. You put out kindness, kindness comes back to you. You put out generosity, generosity comes back to you. If you remember this and start to read scripture through this lens, you're going to be like, that's what she was talking about. That's what she was talking about. That's what she was talking about. And literally in Matthew 6, this is exactly what it says. Just a few verses before this, Jesus says this, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. And that, that's like, what? Confusing. Harsh. Man, Jesus, you're being harsh. You're throwing down the gauntlet. But if you remember it as that loop, like if you remember, if you forgive, forgiveness comes back to you. And, and the reason why God says this in his word, if you forgive others when they sin, your heavenly father will also forgive you. It's like this operating system. You're agreeing and you're partnering and saying, I'm agreeing and partnering with the operating system of forgiveness. So I'm inviting forgiveness back into my life. I'm putting out forgiveness and I'm bringing it back into my life. Otherwise, do you know that God is opposed to unforgiveness? Right? So you can't partner with unforgiveness and expect God to partner with you. It doesn't work. It's like they're opposed to one another. Right? If you're going to hold on to bitterness and, and judgment and then expect God to um, do something opposite, no. Remember, God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. And so he's saying, forgive, forgive so that you can receive the forgiveness of God. And it's like this too. It's like, no, I have all this unforgiveness. No, I can't forgive him. I can't forgive him. And the Lord is trying to pour out. He's like, open your hand to receive forgiveness. But you're already holding on to unforgiveness. Right? How can you receive that into your hand when your hand is like this? I'm holding unforgiveness. I'm holding unforgiveness. I can't do it. And so this is, this is part of a, a, a feedback that I heard last night was that this little girl, this 12-year-old girl was like really upset. And she's like, I need, I can't forgive my dad. And she was distraught. But guess what? It's the challenge of heaven. It's, it's okay to be challenged by heaven. It's actually really good for you to be challenged by heaven, right? And so in these moments when, when we're saying, I can't, I can't do this, I can't forgive, don't forget the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. Do not belittle the blood of Jesus. Do not forget his sacrifice, his death, his resurrection, the price that he paid for you. So yesterday I was challenged by heaven 
because, okay, my husband has been kind of sick. And so in the uh, almost 18 years that we've been here, um, he's pushed through being sick and, you know, he's, he's done stuff. But he, he told me on Thursday night, hey, can you be on standby for me uh, to preach this weekend if I'm too sick? And I'm like, sure, because he's never asked me before. <laughs> Right? And so I'm like, sure, sure. But I'm like, you're going to push through. You're not that sick. Okay. So uh, so Saturday morning, he goes and gets a COVID test, and he's negative. And so I'm like, of course you're going to preach, right? And so he's like, oh, I don't feel good. Uh, I'm like, I go, let's just pray about it. Because I'm the prayer pastor. I'm like, let's just, just pray about it. And I'm, I'm sure Jesus is going to be on my side, right? So I'm like, let's just pray about it. And then so we start to pray, and I hear the Lord say, tag, you're it. I'm like, no. And so, and then I get up from praying, and, and, and John has this big smile on his face, like the chest. What is it called? The Cheshire Cat? Yeah, he's like, <laughs> I'm like, what did you hear? He's like, I heard it's supposed to be you. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, my gosh. So here I was challenged by heaven. I was grouchy. I'm going to tell you I was cranky. I've never made a sermon in a couple hours before. So that, but God is faithful, right? If he, if he says, tag, you're it, he's going to help you. He's going to equip you. He's going to empower you, right? And he's going to be faithful <laughs> to you, right? So today, if he's saying, forgive, guess what? He's going to help you forgive. Amen. So don't forget, don't make this unforgiveness the biggest thing. Make God's power the biggest thing in your life. Amen. Okay, so let's go back to the scripture. Sorry, that was a little tangent. Okay, Matthew 7, starting back from chapter, uh, verse 1. Do not judge others and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. Hypocrite. First, get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pig. They will trample the pearls, then turn and attack you. So in this passage, Jesus is being a little bit playful, right? Why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when there's a log in yours? And so he's not just leveling the playing field. He's saying, you might be worse than that guy, right? You might be way, way deeper and darker into evil things than the, than the person that you're pointing. And how did you even see that speck, right? And Jesus is like, you saw that speck, right? And, and how, how was it that you were able to see a speck, right? It's because you only had a focus to see the negative, right? You were searching and searching to find something really bad, right? And you finally found a speck. Right? And Jesus is saying your focus is off. Right? Your fo Stop using those binoculars to find something. Look in the mirror. Get that log out of your eye. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Okay. So uh, a lot of people, there's, there's sometimes people come up to me. They're like, I'm very discerning. Um, the, God, the Lord has given me a gift of discernment. Right? I'm like, oh, that's great. You know? The, but turns out all they discern is like negative things. <laughs> right? And I'm like, 
I, I'm telling you, that's not a spiritual gift. That's just a critical spirit. That's just a critical. You don't need, a, you don't need the Holy Spirit for that. Okay? That's not the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you that much. Okay, so I'm going to tell you this terrible story of what happened to me a long time ago. Okay, so, um, so I moved to L.A. in 1998. I moved to Pasadena. And um, um, I grew up in Virginia, born and raised in the Virginia, D.C. area. And so I, one of the first things I noticed when I moved to California was that California drivers were terrible in my mind, right? I'm like, wow, they're terrible. They cut you off. Uh, they don't signal. Um, they're, they're going too fast. Um, there's, you know, it's just danger, danger all over the place. And I just really thought that they were like the most terrible drivers. And I thought, I really believed. I thought that I was a better driver. And um, my parents had told me I was a good driver. Um, parents don't lie to your children. Um, but I really thought I had a one-up over uh, California drivers because I had driven in torrential rain, in sleet, in hailstorms, um, in snow. I've been stranded in snow on the highway. Uh, I really thought that because of my training in Virginia, I was so much of a better driver, right? Okay, fast forward to just like a couple years past when I uh, moved to California. So I um, lived in Pasadena and I worked in Burbank because I was a nurse on a vascular floor. So it would take, um, I'm terrible with directions, really, really bad. But I knew how to get to work. And so I had memorized. I take the 210 West to the 134 West. I exit Buena Vista and then it's right off the exit. So I had memorized that, right? And so I knew how to get to work. So one morning I'm getting ready for work. I get into my car. I only give myself like 15 minutes to get to work because I like timed it. Anyway, <laughs> but um, I forgot my phone that day and here I am driving and the, um, it's like misting. It's just like a light mist, right? But there's traffic everywhere. There's accidents like all over the place, like little little accident here, little accident there, little accident there. And I'm like, this is crazy. LA drivers are the worst. I can't believe this. Look at them. They drive like trash. Like I'm just like totally talking to myself in my car. Like they're so ridiculous. And, and then um, just full of judgment. Okay. I'm just going to be honest. I was so judgy and I'm like, they're so stupid. Like, you know, and then, um, and then I see the sign and it says, 134 closed, reroute 25. And I'm like, no, no, I don't know how to get to work from the five, right? And so I'm in trouble. I, I'm like, can you get to Buena Vista from the five? I don't even, I actually still don't know. Okay, so anyway, so <laughs> I, and I'm in trouble because I don't even have my phone because I forgot my phone. So I have this little pocket map that's in my side door. So I pull out my pocket map. I'm like, I'm going to have to figure this out in the next like five minutes. I'm already late to work. So I pull out my map and I'm looking at this map going, how am I going to get, you know, that way? And so I'm literally looking at my map for what feels like three seconds, maybe 2.5 seconds, and then bam, and then bam, 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 four, okay? So I hit the car in front of me, she hits the car in front of her, and then he hits the car in front of him. I caused a four-car crash, guys, four. Wow, really bad. You know, I had to call work. Uh, I had to borrow the lady's phone. 
I'm like, I know I just crashed your car. Can I borrow your phone? <laughs> I had to call work. And then my friend Chona, she didn't get to leave for another three hours from work because it's shift work, right? There has to be a nurse to take care of the patients, and she didn't get to leave because I didn't show up, right? So, like, the domino effect of my accident was terrible, and that's what happens when you lose focus, right? I should have, that's what happens when you lose focus and you're super judgmental, right? <laughs> So what I should have done was pulled off, the, pulled off the freeway, figured it out, got back on, you know, and then and figured out how to get to work from there. But no, me, I'm just going, yeah, they're trash. They can't drive. They can't drive. Because of you, I'm late to work. Oh, my gosh, I'm freaking out. And then all this judgment, and then I lost my judgment, right? I lost my judgment, and I lost my focus. And so never let me borrow your car. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm serious. I'm actually not a good driver. I figured that out, um, and I own it now. Okay, so, and I don't even know. I'm like, should I have a really bad car um, because I always crash it, or should I have a really good car that has all the bells and whistles? I'm like kind of divided. I, I don't know. Anyway, you know, the ones that are like, beep, 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 you know, if you get too close to the other cars. What do you guys think? Anyway, I don't know. Anyway, my main point for today is this. Focus on God and fix yourself first. Yeah. Yeah, focus on God and fix yourself first. And actually, when I was writing this sermon yesterday, I kept thinking, oh, no, people are going to be so offended that I said fix yourself first. But can we just all admit that we have areas in our lives that we have to fix? <laughs> right? Areas where we can grow. Can we just embrace humility and say, God, I, I haven't arrived. I need help. I need to be transformed. There are rough edges. There are logs in my eyes that I need to get out first. Amen. And so that's what we need to do. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Focus on God. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Don't rush into judgment. Let the rule and reign of Jesus come in and invade your soul, your spirit, your body, your thoughts. Don't get consumed about what's happening with your neighbor, what's happening over there, which is totally what happened with me, right? Don't let that steal your attention. Focus on God and fix yourself first. So I got this nasty gram this week, and um, it happens like a lot. And so um, a nasty gram is just like a nasty email. And, um, and so uh, this lady, so it was Wednesday night. Okay, so I had literally just preached at Seek Night with Brenda. And I got home, and mistake number one, I checked my email at 10.15 at night. Why? Why did I do that, right? Okay. Anyway, I checked my email at 10.15 at night, and then boom, there's this nasty gram full of, like, judgment, criticism, like, attack, accusation, like, all this stuff. And guess what I did? <laughs> I went crazy. Okay. I'm just sitting there just, like, typing out this thing. And I type really fast, so I'm just, like, going for it, right? Uh, especially when I'm mad, like, my thoughts are really clear. Okay. So, um, I don't know. Anyone else? <laughs> yeah. It's like, 
how did I come up with that? Whoa. Uh, anyway, yeah, anyway. Uh, then I hear the Lord just like whispering, whoa, girl, slow down. <laughs> whoa, girl, slow down. Right? And I'm like, no, no, Jesus. She needs a taste of her own medicine. And I kept just going, going. And I heard it again, whoa, girl, slow down, slow down, slow down. And, I, you know, that hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you can see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Wow. And so I slowed down. I finally tried to calm myself down. I started searching my heart. And I started hearing the Lord's voice. And he's like, you're a shepherd in God's house. Are you going to strike her down? Yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> I heard the Lord again say, you're held to a higher standard. <laughs> She's a sheep. What are you going to do? And I'm still telling the Lord, she needs a taste of her own medicine, you know. And I was just getting sucked into the negativity loop. You know, that negativity. And she, she gave it to me, and I wanted to whoa, give it right back to her, right. And then I heard the Lord say, what does she need? What does she need? And... Because this whole time I had been saying, Lord, she needs a taste of her own medicine, you know. And then he asked me, what does she need? And I knew the answer was she just needs a little truth and a short response. And so I did delete, 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 <laughs> delete, delete, delete. Got rid of my whole email, started over and just wrote, that's not true. I don't know where you heard that. That's a lie. That's a rumor. That's not true. This is not what we're doing at our church. And let me know if there's anything else I can help you with. Bye. You know? <laughs> and thank you, God, he saved me. Thank you, Lord. Okay, because, uh, you know, anyway. Okay. Um, but Matthew 7, 6, it says this. At the very end of all that stuff that says don't judge, deal with the own log in your own eye before you can deal with the speck in your uh, friend's eye. And then it says this in verse 6. Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls, then turn and attack you. You know, in another situation, it would have been right for me to say to her, hey, can I, can I correct you? You know, it, it would have been smarter and wiser for you to say, you know, I heard this about your church could you clarify that? Is there any truth to that? Like it would have been more uh, wise for you to come at me with a question instead of an accusation. You know, but I heard the Lord say, keep your pearls. Don't throw your pearls at her, right? And I'm not calling her swine, but I'm saying the Lord will, in his word, he says, sometimes it's okay to save your pearls. 
there's moments where it's okay to correct others and it's okay to, you know, take that moment to, you know, teach and correct and whatever. But sometimes the Lord says, it's okay, keep your pearls, right? And that's what the Lord had told me on Wednesday night. Keep your pearls, give her um, a little bit of truth, a short response, right? And so um, sometimes we really just want to throw it down with those people and sometimes we, we want that vindication. Sometimes we want to just retaliate. But you know what you can always do? You know what you can always do is focus on God <laughs> and fix yourself first. Focus on God and fix yourself first. And when I took a moment to focus on God, uh, there were so many other things you were saying to me. Wow, you're real quick with that judgment. Wow. Guess you have a lot of hatred in your heart. Wow. Just like she's judging you, you're judging her. You're judging her church. You're judging, you know, her situation. And the Lord would start to deal with me and deal with me and just take those things out of me because I started repenting. God, forgive me. I am a shepherd. I am a shepherd in your house. I am held to a higher standard. Lord, I, I, I know better. I need to do better. Focus on God and fix yourself first. You know the, the fruit of the Holy Spirit? I can't control her. But the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, right? I get to control myself, right? I don't get to be changed by the circumstances I'm not going to be changed by what people say to me, right? I get to control myself and conduct myself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's the invitation for all of us today. Focus on God and fix yourself first. Would you pray with me? I think maybe some of us, we just need to repent. We just need to ask the Lord to forgive us. Maybe we felt really entitled to just blast people and to spew anger on others and to rage, right? To condemn, to bring condemnation, damnation, right? All that stuff. And today, would you just repent with me? Lord Jesus, you have forgiven us for all of our sins. And you've shown us extreme kindness, extreme mercy, extreme patience, Lord. And so, Lord, we just ask that you would forgive us today for flying off the handle, for raging, for operating with judgment, condemnation, damnation, <laughs> for speaking hopelessness over people. Uh, for speaking negativity over others, for wearing those binoculars, looking for something wrong, for um, partnering with cr a critical spirit and not partnering with the hope of heaven. Lord, forgive us and help us to start new again. Help us to start new again. And you have helped us through your cross, through your sacrifice, through your death and resurrection. 
thank you, Lord Jesus, for all that you've done for that full payment on the cross. And Lord, we want to just say, God, that uh, we want you to get everything you paid for on the cross. You paid for our freedom. You paid for our healing. You paid for our character to be transformed. You paid for us to love and to love well, to um, represent you to this dying and decaying world. So, Lord, we accept our assignment again today and say, yes, Lord, we're up for the challenge. Even if we're being challenged, yes, we are up for the challenge. And for any of you who are here today and say, I really actually just need Jesus I need Jesus to um, forgive me. I need Jesus to save me. I'm here to tell you that Jesus is the perfect son of God. He came to earth to live a perfect life. He died on the cross to pay for our sins, to take your shame, to take all of your guilt, to take all of the judgment against you. That's what Jesus did on the cross through his death and resurrection. So if there's any of you here today that you have to say, yes, you know, I'm in need of a savior. I cannot save myself. I've tried to live a good life. I can't do it. I keep messing up. I need Jesus to forgive me. I need Jesus at the helm of my life. I need Jesus to be my Lord and Savior, my helper, my guide, my advocate, my defender, my friend, my comforter. My Redeemer, if you are here and you're saying, I need that, would you please raise your hand right now. This is your chance right now to say yes to Jesus being your Lord and Savior. Yes to the forgiveness of sins. Yes to a new beginning. Yes to hope in your life. If there's anyone here, I'm still waiting. Anyone at all, you want to say yes. Even if you want to recommit and say, you know what, I've strayed and I'm ready to come back. I'm ready to come back to Jesus, my Lord, my Savior. You can also raise your hand. I see you in the back. Thank you. Right there. Anyone else? Okay, thank you, Jesus. We know that you are so delighted to forgive your kids. You're not begrudgingly forgiving us. You're so delighted. There's a party in heaven when one sinner repents. That's what your word says. And so thank you, Lord, for the party. Thank you for the celebration happening right now. Thank you, Lord, that you delight over your children. Thank you, Lord, God. And we receive that and we say, Lord, come have your way in our lives. Come renew us, restore us, redeem us. Help us to live how you want us to live. Lord, we give you that place of Lord and Savior in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. God bless you.